0: Before we get into the Word this morning, uh, what I would like to do is just uh, do a little bit of commissioning here. So I'm going to ask those of you who are participating on the middle school mission trip this week, if you will come up here now and just come on up on this side, and I would like to pray for you. This week, there's a pack of middle schoolers and incoming middle schoolers that are going down to uh, Rochester, and they're going to stay at Camp Victory, and uh, into the Rochester area. They're going to be working um, in a a trailer park there and uh, carrying out... uh, a wonderful ministry to the kids in this trailer park. And it is just a tremendous opportunity. Uh, the There is such a, a, a wonderful open door there to just love on these kids. They're going to teach them about Jesus. They're going to play with them. They're going to laugh with them and feed them. They're going to do all kinds of things with them. And it's just going to be a wonderful week. We've done this down there before, and we're going back to do it again and just reestablish that relationship down there. Um, In the meantime, uh, I get to be camp speaker at Camp Victory this week and um, minister to a whole pack of other kids. So we're looking forward to an awesome week. But I will be hanging out with these guys. And this is exciting. This is the first mission trip for my two boys. And uh, there's just all kinds of good things that are going to happen this week. So I just want to take a moment and lift this week up in prayer and just kind of commission you guys as you head out to do this. All right, let's pray together. Father, we are surrounded by opportunities um, all the time to to be light, to be salt, to be ambassadors for your kingdom, to be encouragers, uplifters, to be friends, to be listeners. And God, here is just a, a tremendous opportunity in front of this group this week. And I just pray, Lord, that you would have your hand on this whole week that you would take care of every little detail, that you would provide safety in traveling going down there, that you would provide rest when rest is needed, that you would bring the kids from this trailer park together um, to, to do this together, to hear about you, to experience your love through these kids and leaders um, as they go down and spend a week ministering there. Father, will you bless each one of these participants here? Um, will you just give them just a, fill, a fullness of your spirit, so that these kids will see you in them so clearly, so visibly. Bless this week for them. God, give them many opportunities. Lead them into conversations that will, will leave a, a lifelong mark on these kids as they hear about who you are. God, shine through them. Um, encourage them for, for all the challenges that they face. I pray that you will strengthen them and equip them. God, we're just asking for your blessing on this time down there. Bless the kids that are being ministered to. Help them to see you and to experience you this week. We pray all of this and we commit this trip to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. You can go be seated. All right. You may have noticed by this point that uh, we have kids with us today. We've got kids in the service. And um, I just want to, uh, again, just acknowledge parents. This is not a time to worry about whether or not your kid is being super quiet Don't worry about this at all. Um, I am thrilled that we've got this little uh, what was it called? Pray space. Over here, a playground. That's what it is a playground. And uh, I love that our kids are in the worship service with us today. And this is just a great opportunity for them to experience what we go through, although it is outside. And so it's something new for us as well as them. Um, but just um, relax, be at ease about this. We are a big family, and we're excited about having family together out here this morning. Um, kids, let me tell you something. What we're going to talk about this morning, what I'm going to ramble on about for a little while here is work. We're going to talk about work this morning. And your parents have jobs that they go to. They have work in the house that they do. You have your own work too. You have homework that you do. You have chores that you do. We're going to talk about work this morning. We're going to talk about the fact that your work, all of our work matters to God. And we're going to talk about how that, what that looks like, how that plays out in our daily lives. And so just be aware of that's what we're talking about. For those of you who are not with us all the time, uh, let me catch you up. Our church is doing a study of the book of 1 Peter in the Bible right now. Uh, We've been working our way through 1 Peter for quite some time and we've arrived at 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes this great two-word statement, honor everyone, And we've been talking about what it means to honor everyone. And he gives some specific instructions. And in this particular passage we've been looking at, he's talking to servants. He's talking to workers. And he gives them some specific instructions about how they can honor their bosses. And he talks about a lot of different ways that we can honor people in our lives. And so we're going to talk again this morning about where our work fits into all that. How do we honor God with our work? How do we honor those around us in our work? Why is it that work has such an important place, it seems, in our lives? It's not always that case with us. We may not always see that it has this tremendous significance in our lives, or we might see the wrong kind of significance. But we'll talk again this morning about where work fits into life. Last week, um, the message was called our, our time clock perspective. And we talked about that point in the day when you're starting your work and what happens at that point what your mindset is, things to remember as you start your day. We talked about our resumes. We talked about our identity and how God has qualified us, equipped us, empowered us for our jobs, even not just for other areas in our lives, but for our jobs as well. We talked about our job description. We went back to Micah 6, 8, and we looked at what God is asking of us, even in the workplace that we display justice, that we pursue justice, that we demonstrate kindness, and that we walk humbly with God, that humility is at the core of what we do throughout the day. And we talked about our action items and some of the things that Peter addresses in his letter. He talks about subjecting ourselves to those in authority over us and not just subjecting ourselves out of obligation, but doing it with respect, with respect. And he talks also in that passage about enduring If we suffer and we're not doing the wrong things at work, but we're mistreated, he talks about how we're to endure that. And I'll talk a little bit more about that this morning. So today, the the title for this message is Work Matters. I want to talk about the reality that work matters, that it's not just part of life. It's not just a necessary evil that we do. And I've mentioned that before. I want to talk about the fact that work matters to God and review a little bit about the fact that work matters to us and should matter to us and about the fact that work matters to the people around us. Our work matters to the people around us every day. And I'll flesh that out a little bit. So first of all, my work matters to God. Your work matters to God. How? Our work brings God glory. And that's pointed to in scripture in multiple places. One of those places is 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. Where Peter writes, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Paul also points out that we're to work as if we're working directly for God and not for man. There's a level of importance that comes with this work matters to God. It matters to him. Like everything else in our lives matters to him. Whether or not we consider work spiritual, God sees it as an integral part of our lives and something that he has created us for our words, our actions, even our bodies matter to God. And you'll see that throughout the scriptures. God God puts importance on every different aspect of our lives, and work is one of those things, and it matters to him. Work matters to God because work is the fulfillment of god 's initial design for mankind, and it 's not just his initial design it 's an everlasting design for mankind and so it matters to God. We looked at genesis one twenty eight recently where God instructs Adam and Eve, and he says. Be fruitful and multiply, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And he talks about the different aspects of, of work. He talks about creating societies and how important that is. He, he talks about using the raw materials that he has given us and rearranging them for the sake of his plan and his purpose. Our work matters to God. It matters because it is something that he, and, and this, is, this is how we know it matters. It's something that he has commanded us to do well. And in obedience, we do it well and we do it for him and to him. Our work is one important way that we fit into God's bigger plan, God's big design. God's big design is not just about what we do in church. It's not just about what we do at home. It's about what we do at work as well. No matter how significant we see it. Uh, Do we have any Lord of the Rings fans in the room? Any Lord of the Rings? I absolutely love Lord of the Rings. My my favorite movies, without question. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the books. I enjoy the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien, and they just captured me as a kid. And I could not—I was so excited when the movies came out. And and I, I love Tolkien's writings. Um, he wrote this story. Um, that that, that happened during the time that he was creating the Lord of the Rings books, during the time that he was writing. So he's writing these stories, these amazing, incredible stories. And if you've read them or, or watched them, you know how intricate those stories are. So he's got all these different things happening in all these different places, different subplots going on. All these characters are involved in these amazing adventures and and different uh, peril and all kinds of things going on. He's writing, writing, writing. And then Tolkien comes to a block. He's lost. He doesn't know where to go. He's completely stuck in all of the detail that he's put out there. And and you know if you've read, read his stuff just how detailed Tolkien is. Just an incredible creativity. He cares very much about the context of the story. He cares about the details so much so that he's, he created languages and entire cultures in these stories and he got lost in all of these details and, and reached this point where he was so bogged down in the details. He just got stuck on moving the story forward. And here he is at this point and he's, he's feeling despair over it because he really wants to finish this story. He feels it. He's been working on it for decades at this point. And he's writing and he's stuck. He comes to this block. And so Tolkien steps away. And as he's processing all this and figuring out where to go and what to do with this block that he's at, he writes this little story called Leaf by Niggle. Leaf by Niggle. And it was a fascinating little story. He was asked to do it for a particular publication. And he he put this story together and released it. And it really is a story about him and about the place that he's in. And it was a fascinating thing. It's about this this painter named Niggle. And Niggle, it it has meaning to it. It's actually a word. It's in the dictionary. And it means working in in a fiddling or ineffective way. And so Niggle very much represented Tolkien at this point. This is who he was. He felt ineffective in what he was doing. He got caught in the details, and so he writes this story about Nigel. And Nigel is this painter who had this massive vision for this painting that he's doing. So much so that he creates this canvas that's huge. He needed a ladder to climb up and work on the different parts of the canvas, massive canvas. And in his mind, he pictures this majestic tree. In the center of the painting. And this tree is part of this bigger scene. And there's a forest involved. And mountains with snow on them. And the sky. And just this grand picture. But Niggle's bogged down in this tree. He's painting in this tree. Niggle was a detail freak. And so he's lost in, in painting the leaves. And getting the leaves just perfect. Every leaf. He's pouring all his attention into each little leaf and getting the veins right, getting the color right, getting the shading right, getting the shape right, all this stuff. And he's just adding leaf upon leaf. The tree's not even there yet. He's started with the leaves and he's building out from there. And Nagel's starting to despair because he sees this journey ahead of him. And the journey represents his death. He sees that he's going to die and he's, he's in despair because he's not going to get it all done. He can see that he's stuck in the details And so Niggle uh, takes off on his journey, on his end of life journey. He's in the, the afterlife. And he's taking this train through the afterlife setting. And on this train, he's listening to the voices that are coming at him. And one voice is just discouraging him, telling him, look at how little you got done on that painting. You didn't accomplish anything. The other voice is saying, no, look at, Look at what you've done. You cared about that little piece that you were working on a lot. You put your heart into that. And not only that, you weren't just painting all the time. Whenever somebody in your neighborhood, in your life, in your circle, came by and had a need, asked you for something, you left what you were doing and you went and took care of them. This voice encouraged him. And as he's riding on this train through the the afterlife country, all of a sudden his eye catches this tree. This tree. He sees this tree and there it is. There's the tree that Niggle was working on. He sees the whole tree and it's finished. He sees the whole setting. He sees the forest. He sees the mountains in the background with the snow on top. He sees the sky. It's all there. It's all done. And he had contributed this part to a bigger picture. So Tolkien tells this story of Niggle, the painter, and how what he's doing fits into a much, much bigger picture that one day will be completed, and it won't be just completed by us, but we get a part of it. And so Tolkien points to this idea that that what we do, the work that we do, no matter how, sometimes we just feel like we're locked into this tiny little thing that's really not going anywhere. It's part of God's bigger picture. It matters to God. My work, your work, Matters to God. Secondly, my work matters to me. Your work matters to you. It should matter to us. Our work ought to be important to us for our sake. We talked recently about calling. About the idea that God has placed a calling on every single one of us. And your work is your calling. He has called you there to do that work that he's given you to do. To carry out your job and to do it well and in that to find a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, a sense of calling as God directs you to do your work well. Work matters as we begin to put it into a bigger picture and integrate it with our entire lives and see where our faith affects our entire lives. It begins to matter to us then. One of the areas I think that Peter points to is uh, maybe a little bit hidden, but I, I love that it's there. We need to look at our work, at our jobs as an opportunity for personal growth. It's a measurement of our personal growth. And the way that Peter talks about this in, in this passage in First in Peter chapter 2, he talks about following Christ's example in the way that we suffer for doing well. He's talking to the servants who have masters that are not great and treat them poorly, unfairly unjustly but he teaches them to endure under that and in that there's this tremendous growth that takes place that kind of endurance is part of our development it's part of our transformation being shaped into the likeness of jesus christ romans chapter 5 verse 4 talks about that how endurance produces character It's something that happens in us. And so Peter addresses that endurance. These are opportunities that matter to us. It's a chance for us to develop personally, to develop a Christ-like character. And thirdly, my work matters to others. And I want to talk about different ways, different times when our work matters to others. How it happens. I want to build this out a little bit. First of all, simply this. My work matters... When I acknowledge the effects of the fall, the effects of sin on my workplace. I would encourage you if you've never done this before to just take a pause at some point related to your work. Is there a place at work that'd be more effective at work where you can just kind of get off to the side for a little bit and observe what's going on around you. Observe your workplace and allow yourself to consider the reality That sin has taken its toll on your workplace. It's not just in this general vague sense that sin has affected the world. It has directly affected the place in which you work. Look at your workplace. How has it affected your workplace? What has it done to the environment there? What has it created there? Listen, our enemy wants to destroy anything that God creates in the sense of community, trust, Communication, excellence, all of the things that, that God has created for us to enjoy and experience in the realm of work and fellowship and community, teamwork, unity, all those kinds of things. Our enemy wants to destroy him and he's at work trying to break those down in your workplace, in all of our workplaces. He's doing this. He did this with Adam and Eve in the garden. You can see that in the Genesis account where Satan comes into the picture and tries to mess things up. He destroys their trust in God. He destroys their fellowship with each other. He works on the whole picture. And he's doing that right now where you are, where you work. The effects of the fall of sin were immediately evident in the garden. Now suddenly Adam had to work the ground There were things he didn't have to do before that he now had to do. Things were harder. Things took a lot more effort. It applied to Eve as well. There were all these different ways in which that affected their environment, their place. We think about our places, our workplaces, where there can be selfishness and jealousy and competition and comparison between workers. People turn on each other. There's drama all the time. Sin has had its effect on our workplaces and we've got to acknowledge that because as we acknowledge the fact that our workplace has been messed up by sin, well, suddenly it matters more to us, doesn't it? We have a purpose there. There's some urgency to what we're doing in our workplace and the opportunity that's before us. Along those lines, my work matters when I acknowledge the effects of the fall on my coworkers directly, on their personal lives Look at the lives of the people around you that you work with sometime. What are they facing? Is there fear there? Is there a sense of isolation? Is there loneliness there? What are they going through? Do they have this sense of meaninglessness that they, their lives don't matter? Look at the individual lives around you. Are they being impre- oppressed? Are they feeling inferior? Do they lack value and that's visible? Are they there just to escape from the rest of their lives? What's happening with the people that you work with? What are they going through? And as we acknowledge that, as we acknowledge what's happening with our coworkers, our work matters more. It has more importance. So my work matters when my focus is turned outward. Away from just my own advancement, my own success, my own power, my own status. My own benefit, when we get that attention off ourselves and we turn it to others and we want their success, we want their benefit, when we're working for the benefit of somebody else other than ourselves, our work matters more. My work matters when I respond to the effects of the fall on my coworkers not just when i'm aware of it but when i respond to it all around us we have opportunities to to see when people are feeling worthless and to be the one who affirms their value all around us we have we have people who are who, who feel invisible and insignificant who believe that what they do doesn't matter. And we have opportunity to applaud their efforts, to be the one who recognizes what they do, no matter whether or not anyone else does, we can be the ones to acknowledge that and recognize it. We have opportunity to encourage the discouraged. We have opportunity to minister to the weak by calling out their strengths when they feel that they don't have any. We have opportunity for those who are feeling like they're, it's them against the world, like they're doing this alone, to come alongside and help to be that for them. We have opportunity all around us to listen, to listen to our coworkers. And folks, your work matters when you are praying for your coworkers on a regular basis. Makes a world of difference to how much, your work is, how much value your work has to you. So then my work matters when I respond to the effects of the fall on my workplace, on the environment in which I work. We have opportunity to intentionally bring hope, to intentionally bring reconciliation, to bring peace, to bring light, to bring joy, to bring faith into the picture. Remember that we are qualified to do these things. God has equipped us for this. He has given us all that we need to do to do this good work in our workplaces. Next, my work matters when I recognize the platform that God has given me. You know, I talked early on in this series about the, the reality that we need to take a look at our, at our work from a, from a from a different angle, a different perspective, because it's very easy to get caught up in the, okay, the only way I can integrate faith into work is if I intentionally evangelize to my coworkers, right? I have to tell them, I got to give them that tract. I have to invite them to this event. And I said, there's more, there's more to it than this. But let's come back to that. God has given us a platform in our workplaces. And yes, I'm talking about the home as well. You know that there's a platform there. In whatever work we do, God has given us a platform because God has provided us with influence over the people that are around us. We have that opportunity. There is darkness to shine his light into all around us. My work matters when I embrace the reality that I represent Christ and his kingdom here on earth. That that is who I am, that that is my role. And Peter gave us a great example in first Peter chapter two of suffering and enduring like Jesus following his example. And that's just one example. Jesus gave us all kinds of things as he taught. He talked about taking the lowest place. He talked about leading by serving. He talked about humbling ourselves about having compassion. He gave us all these different ways in which we can represent him in our workplaces, The Bible also talks about creativity, about excellence. These are things that matter in our work. In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, it says this, Paul writes this, But thanks be to God who in Christ always, even in our workplaces, always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Folks, you are, I am a part of the redemptive work that Jesus Christ is doing. And we bear his fragrance wherever we go. And this includes our housework, my yard work, making lunches for my kids, helping my kids with their homework, taking care of our car in all these ways. I represent Christ here. And they're all opportunities. And finally, my work matters when I see how much my work contributes to the lives of others and to society as a whole. We've got to get this bigger vision for who we are. Um, Recently in our lives, we we switched mechanics. Always an adventure when you're struggling with a mechanic that you thought you could trust and you figured this was a really good Good situation. i built a reputation of a relationship with this guy. Everything's going to just carry on. It's going to be great. He's always going to be honest with me. This is going to go well um, until he tells you that there's something wrong with your car and it's going to cost $4,000 to fix it. And of course, I go and get a second opinion <laughs> um, and it turned out to be a $400 repair, not a $4,000 repair. But he was going to go ahead and do the $4,000 repair, and we were struggling. There were a couple other red flags that had gone up, and so um, we switched mechanics recently and are now with one that we find to be completely honest with us and, and a delight to work with. And so I want to use that as a just an example. I want to talk about Joe the mechanic, and that's not a real person. That's not my mechanic's name. Well, I want to talk about Joe the mechanic and how Joe the mechanic views life. Joe is the head of a, of a, of a mechanic garage. And, and this is the, the perspective the, that he has. And this is based on a real person um, that I read about, okay? Um, Joe understands where his role as a mechanic fits into the greater picture. He gets it because Joe understands that in his business, he supports six families, about 40 people because he hired those mechanics to work with him. And through that, through their income, he supports all of those families, kids, the works. They depend on this business for their livelihood. And he sees that. He's, his business puts food on their table. And it puts money back into the economy. It goes into a bigger picture than just their families. It has a huge impact. When Joe looks at a car, he sees it differently. He doesn't see it as cash. He doesn't see it as a source of income. He sees that this is a vehicle that needs to be safe in order for the family who owns that vehicle to be able to get around and do the things that they need to do. And so he's concerned about their safety and he sees each vehicle that way. Joe provides solutions to problems and he teaches others how to diagnose and solve those problems. He keeps up on all the latest technology and it is not easy when it comes to cars right now. How many of you have opened up the hood of a car and gone, I am not touching that at all. I used to be able to climb down in the hood in the engine compartment of my truck and wedge myself down in there and sit next to the engine and work on it. I open it up now and it's this big black intimidating cover and I have no idea what's going on underneath there. But Joe keeps up with all that and he teaches others how to do it. He empowers his employees. He teaches his customers if there's something that they could have watched out for, he teaches them how to watch out for it, how to prevent that from happening again. Joe pays fairly. He leads well. He provides benefits. He provides vacation time. He gives his employees a sense of security. He supports them. He trains them. Joe donates his time and his services for the good of the greater community. Joe pays taxes. Joe is involved in his community. Joe creates a trustworthy business. And in that right there is the process of redemption in this world. Joe maintains an environment of honesty. He restores people's trust in mechanics. He restores people's trust in other people. Joe sees a much bigger picture in what he does. And brothers and sisters, I think that God is calling us to have that same kind of perspective. When we look at the work that we do, it is much bigger than finishing that task you've been doing and checking it off the list we are surrounded every day with opportunity because our work matters to God. Our work matters to us and our work matters to the people around us in our workplaces, at home, wherever we're doing it. There's value in what we're doing. Peter wrote about endurance when facing unjust suffering. And how that's part of the development of Christ's character in us. And I want you to think about the suffering of Christ as we prepare to share communion together. And I want to read you a few verses out of this passage again that we've been looking at in 1 Peter chapter 2. Because Peter writes about Christ. And this is the one that we're remembering as we come to communion together. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 22 to 24. This is what Peter writes. By his wounds, you've been healed. Think about the position that Jesus found himself in. Did Jesus deserve any of the punishment that he got? Not a bit. None of it. Jesus did absolutely nothing wrong. He was spotless. He was sinless. But at the hands of unjust men, he fulfilled his Calling, He fulfilled God's plan and he endured so that we wouldn't have to. And as we come to communion this morning, this is what we remember. We remember his body that was given for us, turned over to be beaten, to be tortured, to be crucified unjustly for us. We remember his blood, his blood that was spilled for us. Why? so that we could be forgiven so that all of the things that we have done wrong could be taken and wiped clean and we could stand before God holy forgiven cleansed Jesus' redemptive work on the cross was something that he did once but is carrying on day upon day upon day upon day all the time he is working and brothers and sisters he is working through you and me To carry out that redemptive process here on earth. He wants to use us to fight back against the effects of the fall. The curse on mankind. He wants to use us to bring light and life and hope and joy and peace. Into this world. And he wants to use our work to do that. Does your work matter to you? It matters to God. It does matter to you. And it matters to all the people around you that you work with every day. God wants to carry out his redemptive work that was was accomplished once and is carrying on by Jesus Christ on the cross. He wants to use us in that every single day. As you come to share communion today, Remember that. Remember the redemptive work of Christ. Remember the endurance that he went through, the suffering that he endured for our sake. And follow in his example. Be a part of his redemptive plan by seeing your work as something that matters. Come this morning with an attitude again of thanksgiving for the body and blood of Jesus Christ. This was done for us. And there's much to be grateful for. I'm going to ask the elders to come now and prepare to serve. As Scott said, feel free to come when you're ready as we do the next uh, few songs together here. Just come, just come and get the elements. Go back to where you are. Go off to the side with your family or whatever. Just do it the way you want to do it. Take time to just be alone with God however you see fit. But come, come and remember the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so grateful for the value that you place on me. And on every single one of us, we matter to you. So what we do matters to you. And God, I pray that for every single one of us, that we would see just how much our work matters. And that we would step into that opportunity God, don't let us go to work anymore with selfish perspectives about just getting our job done. Help us to see the opportunity that is there all around us to bring your light, to demonstrate the character of Jesus Christ wherever you've placed us. Thank you for caring so much about the work that we do. Thank you for giving it value to us and for using us in this way to be light and salt ambassadors in the world that you've placed us in. Increase the value of our work to us today, Lord. And as we come now, we come with just a deep sense of gratitude for the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you for his body, for all that he endured on our behalf. Thank you for his blood that has cleansed us. Thank you that we are now forgiven because of what he did on the cross praise you for your love this morning and we come now in the name of jesus christ the one who bore our sins on the cross and purchased our forgiveness for us amen